You're listening to Healing Voices Project, where we share stories and the latest information from people who fight addiction every day. I'm Mike Torville, your host and author of Voices from the Fallen. Thank you for listening, for following, and most of all, for sharing with people you care about. Make your voice count too. everybody. Thanks for joining us again at Healing Voices Project. We have a guest today. His name is James Bisco. He is the Senior Area Manager at Clean Slate, the Clean Slate Centers throughout the Northeast. Um, and it's a, it's a really great organization. And uh, James, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. Sure. Now, in addition to your work at Clean Slate, um, you've also got your own personal experience, what led you to this job. We'll get into all of that a little bit, but we really want to hear what Clean Slate is all about. Sure. And and if somebody's interested in finding out more, how do they reach you? Um, so I think, first of all, let's tell about the website. It's cleanslatecenters.com. Cleanslatecenters.com, absolutely. That's where you can find where all of our centers are located. Um, you can make appointments straight from the website. We have a chat feature so if you don't have the time or feel like staying on the phone with somebody you can do that right from your phone uh, you'll get a live agent who will help you book an appointment right now or just learn more about what services we offer and why would someone call clean slate versus i mean there are so many options and it gets kind of confusing right absolutely which treatment center which program which rehab how do i know i should make a call to clean slate that's a great question the uh there are many paths to recovery, and everyone's journey is very specific and individual. So our, our personal mission was to provide outpatient opioid and alcohol-based treatment using FDA-approved and proven medications like Suboxone and Vivitrol. Um, we do not do any methadone at our center. That's just a higher level of care that outpatient setting is not really the best for. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to learn more about how to do that, sorry. That's all right. We get noise all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's going to ring too, so. Um, yeah. So it, it's an outpatient setting. You make an appointment. You come in like a doctor's office. You'll yeah. be evaluated by a addiction-trained specialist. Yeah. Um, all of our physicians are board-certified addiction specialists. Our nurse practitioners and physician assistants are all addiction trained. And then we have our licensed drug and alcohol counselors and our care coordinators who coordinate the care, uh, will help with any social barriers, uh, housing, transportation, all of the really big barriers that people have Things to that recovery. Things get in the way Absolutely. of somebody having the ability to get treatment. Now, you said something about, you said several key words there. Yeah. You said licensed, you said trained, you, you, you know, certified. And the people at Clean Slate certainly have gone through extensive training, yes. education, and so on. Um, and this is why, I think, why, one, you have a great reputation. Two, you're growing. And I know there's been a lot of, you know, centers that have closed recently um, and maybe you know there's some great people that have worked there but the circumstances being what, what they are um, didn't work out now I think that might have 
brought some skepticism or apprehension about, is this center reputable? Is this somewhere where I can trust? And yeah. um, Clean Slate is a, um, has been there for 14 years. Right. And, and growing. And, and with your certified, trained, licensed people, uh, you've got some depth of experience to work from. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel that's that's one of the many things that, you know, separates us from those centers that have unfortunately been in the news for, for closing. Yeah. Um, it, it does kind of paint all service providers in a skepticism yeah. Yeah. or, you know, with a broad brush. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, what differentiates us is we have licensed, trained medical providers and behavioral health providers. We are CARF accredited in all of our centers throughout the country. Uh, for Massachusetts specifically, we're licensed by BSAS, the credentialing body for Massachusetts, the Bureau mm-hmm. of Substance Addiction Services. Um, and we've been, we've been around since 2009. We're not going anywhere. And you've been at Clean Slate for six years now? Six years. Yeah. Um, seen any changes in six years? I've seen a lot of changes <laughs> in six years, yes. Yeah. Um, we now have over 80 centers open nationwide, and we're in nine states. 80? 80. 80. Um, you started with one. We started with one. In West Springfield. Correct. And now you have 80. Uh, something's going right there. Um, it's uh, kind of a double-edged sword because okay. it's, it's a sad thing that we are needed in so many places. You know, and we, we talked about that yesterday, yeah. and yeah, you're right. Um, it is. It's, it's the good news that you're able to, but wait, unfortunately, yeah. it's, it's needed. And, and unfortunately, you're, you're busy. I mean, it'd be wonderful if you weren't, if you had no clients, because then there'd be no, no need right. to, to state the obvious. However, the fact that you're uh, accessible, available, uh, is making a difference. It, it's definitely making a difference. We uh, passed a milestone fairly recently mm-hmm. at Clean Slate where we've helped over 110,000 people nationwide get into recovery. So wow. over 14 years, that's a, that's a good chunk of people. Yes, it is. Uh, what brought you there, by the way? And what did you do before you went to Clean Slate? Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. So I, I started my adult professional career in medical assisting. Um, I started in 2008. I was a medical assistant for what was Hamden County Physicians at the time. Anything uh, to do with uh, substance abuse? Nothing to do with recovery. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. I was interested in the medical field, mm-hmm. um, and that that's what brought me there. Mm-hmm. The uh, unfortunate part about Hamden County is they wound up going out of business. They went bankrupt. They were bought by Mercy. Okay. Medical group at the time. So Sisters of Providence and Trinity took over. Uh, I progressed my career there and went into management back in the 2010, I think, was my first manager's position. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I transitioned to an urgent care, which was a great experience. Urgent care is a very fast pace. Yeah. You see a lot of really neat things when you're in the medical field at an urgent care. Um, and then I saw a job posting for Clean Slate and I, to be honest, I had lived in this area for my entire life and I had never heard of it. And that was about 2017. Wow. Uh, they had been around at that point for eight years. Right. And, um, I can do the math. 
Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but after eight years, but you probably didn't have a reason because you weren't involved with, with substance abuse or recovery. So you didn't have a reason to know. Honest, I didn't know either yeah. until involved. But you don't have a reason. You don't know until you have a reason to. Well, the, yeah, the, the ironic yeah. part about it is, you know, I myself am a person in recovery. I've been in recovery for 19 years 19 now. 19 years. Wow. And I had never even heard of Clean Slate, never mind that they had five offices directly in my area mm. so it was it was interesting to me and i you know i have a very personal relationship with recovery so it seemed like a perfect fit for me so i applied and i had my first interview and they told me all about what they do their mission how they tackle the recovery yeah and i've been there ever since you said yeah yeah i i think i can work through this because one you've had your own experience right and you can so okay you can see that now your own you'll talk a little bit about what you what you had gone through it's been 19 years yes. you're a young guy so yeah who um <laughs> yeah you can yeah. you can do the math um, yeah. i might not look as young again? but you do math again <laughs> um yeah. actually i started down the road to to addiction when i was 14 years old i think i took my first opiate and it was you know, prescription pain medication yeah. for something I was prescribed. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the story you've probably heard a million times. That you were prescribed because of an injury? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I played sports and I had an injury and the doctor at the time, it was a very small amount of a very mild opiate, but it was like the, my world changed that day, you know, and I made bad decision after bad decision. And from 14 to 19, you know, is a uh, nobody ever wakes up one day and says, "Hey, I think I'm going to be addicted to heroin today." Right. But it's it's those small decisions along the way. And I always had this, you know, from the the first time I t- took a an illegal substance, had these lines that I told myself I'd never cross. Well, I'll do this, but I'll never do that. How did that go? I crossed every one of them mm-hmm. <laughs> eventually. So it's uh you can limit set in your head as much as you want and you can have the willpower that everybody talks about and that that doesn't matter. It goes out the window. Mm-hmm. So lot you know long story short, I found myself at 19 years old addicted to heroin and losing everything that was important to me. Meaning relationships? Meaning relationships, uh my family, I had ruined all of that. My sports career, I threw that down down the drain. The f- friends and f- that I had lost along the way. By the time I was 19, I had seen five five people pass away. From overdose? From overdose, yep. People close to you? Very close. Did you keep using? Yeah. Despite that? It... it it's one of those uh, catch twenty twos, I guess, because it, you know, it just sends you deeper into, and that's the whole the hopeless the whole definition of addiction. Yeah, this, despite all these adverse consequences, you still continue to use. Right. Um, so this this went on um, to a point. What what brought it to the end? Um, the, you know, the funny part is, I just of all the. The negative consequences yeah. from the years of using, 
it was the smallest thing that brought me to the point where I wanted to change. It was just one day I woke up and I was feeling terrible. And I was just sick of feeling terrible every day. And I took the first step to talk to my mom at the time. Mm -hmm. Was she aware? She was aware, but she was in denial aware. You know, she knew Which that there was common. a problem. That's right. why, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. She yeah. knew there was something wrong, but she didn't really know the extent of what was wrong until I had that conversation. And we worked to get into, uh, at the time it was Providence Detox. Mm -hmm. And I went through there and I came out. And I'm a very lucky story because I made it through my early addiction without any legal consequences which is very rare yeah. doesn't happen very often mm -hmm. and the first time that I went to treatment I stayed in treatment and you never looked back no well that's r rare too and you're right very you're one of the I call it lucky ones but right yeah it's it's, it's it's luck but it's it's a lot of it's a lot of work. It's uh, right. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. mean well. I got lucky today. No, no. you you <laughs> certainly put some overcame some challenges and hard times. Right. Um, it's never easy. Um, but you you what you talked about earlier the, the willpower and crossing the line and your inability to recognize that and stop. Right. But this time you did something changed in your head that said I recognize those lines. I'm not going to cross again. And you were tired of getting the was it the, the dope sick feeling yeah. that you were just yeah encountering on a daily basis instead of I've had enough right it's like the worst flu you've ever had yeah on a daily basis and mm -hmm. there's there was just only so much I could take of it and that was the worst the worst part for me I mean all of the other consequences didn't didn't seem as bad to me as feeling sick yeah <laughs> which is weird I know. Well, that's that's actually common, as you if you as you know from speaking with the multitude of people that you speak with. Yeah. So, um, so you went through your treatment. You came out of it. Um, were you working at the time? At the time that I went in, I was yes, I was delivering pizza at the time. Okay, um, you were delivering pizza at the time, and you kept working. And then something. Did you go back to school? Did you get into healthcare though? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I I got out of treatment and went into medication assisted treatment. So that that for me was the the catalyst. Is mm -hmm. you know I was able to work through my issues that led me to the substances while not having to feel sick. Okay. You know. Yeah. And if I don't think if it was for that I would have been able to right and i i did continue to work um i bartended for a little while which might seem counterintuitive but it was you're just pushing your luck weren't you it, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but it was I, I i didn't have many options at the time yeah. so I, I did that while trying to figure out where i was going to go as an adult yeah and then Truthfully, my, my aunt got sick. She got very sick with uh, pancreatic cancer. And it was a very fast, you know, but within three months from diagnosis, she had passed away. <clears throat> and that was my reason for getting into the medical field because I watched the nurses take care of her and just made that experience 
so much kinder and gentler for her and us okay. that I wanted to be a part of that. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't have the training to go be a nurse. So okay. I went to school and I got my certificate for medical assisting. That was my, my foothold. Yep. Well, that obviously led to where you are now. It did. Yeah, yeah. It did. It's not where I expected to go, but I got here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when you were 19 and in the throes of your addiction, um, again, we say this often, you not in a million years could see yourself doing what you're doing now. No, I didn't. Yeah. At that time, I didn't even know this was a thing. You know, I didn't know there was a recovery community. I didn't know there was help for people like me and what I was going through. I, you know, there's so many people that I've, I've met with and, and talked with and interviewed um, and written about, and I, that's such a common thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how do I, people don't know until there's a reason to know, and by then, yeah. often it's too late. So as we try to get the word out, I said, what you should what should you know in advance, or at least when you suspect, or at least have an inkling that, like you talked about your mom earlier, who was aware, maybe in denial, and maybe. Uh, aware a little bit but didn't talk about it maybe she was afraid to ask maybe right. she, uh, and that's so common because if they know no I'm sure he'll be fine it's sort of a, a denial but rather than maybe a little research find out well what if you know this person my child friend is going through addiction because there's something that's not right what should I know what who should I call and people don't know where to start what's the if if a family member is uh, suspects a, a, another family member or a friend or somebody something's not right i don't know if he's addicted to pills or heroin but his behaviors are what does a family do especially when they don't know like you didn't know either um who's the first call they make to find out information it's a very good question yeah. there's thankfully there's a lot more services nowadays than there were even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have um, some great organizations for families of people who are using substances like Learn to Cope. Yep. You know, they are a great, a great group. Great yeah. family support group. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I tell people about them all the time. Um, and that's something you can check out even if you you don't know. They have a lot of information. Um, the BSAS website itself has... BSAS is BSAS. B-S-A-S. Yeah. It's the BSAS.com. Uh, I believe it's it. .gov. .gov, okay. Yes, because they're the, uh, they the Bureau of Substance Addiction Services. And people can at least Google that to find out they're more. And, Absolutely. And also, I'll do a little shout out to Learn to Cope because that is learntocope.org.com. I believe it's .org. I think it's .org, but Learn to Cope is a great organization too. But. Mm -hmm. And it's it's great to visit their website to learn more because there are a, a group that families can as a resource for families. Absolutely, so, yeah. and and addiction is a family exactly. disease. It right. affects this is everybody. Why, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, if a, if a family would clean slate be a first call, or it could be. Yeah. You know that we have great information on our website mm -hmm. um, about treatment options. So it's, it's specifically for our treatment options which might not be for everybody, but right. for who, who it is for, we have people you can talk to. We have, you know, like I said, our live agents can get on and, and yeah. chat with somebody just to see what their options are. Yep, and at least redirect. 
or a absolutely someplace else and um, i hate to sound like a commercial but there's a clean slate clean slate center near you meaning there is there is yeah <laughs> um, and because you rattled off the towns in western mass that they're in um started in west springfield but if you call and say the website again cleat slate centers.com and the number is 833-505-4673 it's a good time to remind everybody since we're talking about that yeah um but it's a good place to start anyway and um if if clean slate isn't the right option someone there will actually direct or answer questions and provide information absolutely yeah yeah uh there's so much that i found until someone has a reason to inquire it it can be like their heads in the sand right i don't mean that to sound negative because my head was in the sand a lot because i didn't know but my eyes were opened after hearing and speaking with and writing about this, I said, my goodness, um, it's, it's all around and there's so much of this. And there, what I've recognized more than anything is a lot of people don't know what to do. And the people who have gone through it, especially in the, in the book that I had written called Voices from the Fallen, what I thought was a common theme is um, we didn't know what to do. We made a lot of mistakes. And uh, boy, did things go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right pretty common right um now with a couple other thing i wanted to ask you about because we, we talked about uh xylazine and certainly fentanyl is so dangerous and it's not really the heroin that it used to be the fentanyl's in there but now we're seeing right. a lot of xylazine you want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing with that and the effects of that yeah the the xylazine it, it's not a new problem but it's a newly publicized problem and it's it, it is getting worse. And the the real danger with the xylazine is that it's a non opiate, so the naloxone doesn't or Narcan doesn't have the same effect on it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very prevalent now to be mixing that with the fentanyl or heroin. And the other real danger with it is it does rot the tissue around where it's it's injected. It's got a vasoconstricting property to it inherently. Mm-hmm. So the the wounds and the abscesses that are being caused by it are just terrible. Yeah, I've heard that even in some cases it can get so bad that amputation has to happen because it can yeah. spread and get that infected. Yeah, it's it's that scary. And because it's resistant to Narcan, right. Narcan is being administered and the person's not responding. Right. No one's going to think, oh, there must be. They're not knowing what to do and maybe panic and say, what's what's wrong? What's happening here? Right. Because it's a tranquilizer and it's a tranquilizer specifically designed on large mammals like horses. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's not going to respond to any of the reversing agents that we have currently. But the effects of it do look very similar to an overdose and it's a central nervous system depressant so adding it to another one of those like fentanyl is just a bad combination you think things couldn't get worse you think always it can't be any worse than the fentanyl and what's happening right the deaths but yet this has made it worse right that's that's awful um and yet as like you said earlier there's so many things that you say, well, the, 
there are so many rational things you can get in your willpower, all these things that just don't go. You could be, you could know there's fentanyl in there, people will still decide to use. You can know there's xylazine in there, people will still decide to use. Um, that's just so hard to think about um, playing Russian roulette and really how that, how dangerous, it, it's just compounded the danger, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the key characteristic for addictive behavior is just that there's things that seem rational to you when you're not in the throes of it are not rational, are just out the window when, when you're in the throes of it. You know that there are negative consequences and you ignore them. Yeah. Are you seeing um, more of the effects of that or more of that mixed in? than it used to be because you said it's not really new but it's just being more publicized now is that I think it's it's gotten to the medium more and okay. it, it is higher cases of it mm -hmm. I, I would say I don't see them a ton personally um, our our form of treatment is more designed like I said for an outpatient basis uh, Suboxone was created for people who are highly motivated and not needing to come in every day and dose in front of somebody like a methadone. Okay. Yeah, and let, let's talk about that too because I did want to mention that earlier and I forgot. Yeah. Is Suboxone, how, how does it work? How is it different? <clears throat> and how are the treatments applied? And what can people expect? There's like three sure. or four questions in there. Sure. What can people expect <laughs> when they go to Clean Slate and that type of treatment? How does this all work? Yeah, uh, so I'll preface this by saying I'm not a medical doctor, but okay. Suboxone works by attaching to the synapses in the brain. Mm -hmm. um, it's a partial opioid agonist, so it's not a full opioid like met methadone is. Okay. It's a partial agonist. But what it does is it binds to the receptors um, better than a traditional opioid. So one of, actually one of the risks of starting Suboxone treatment too early so if you're actively using and then you take suboxone the buprenorphine will actually knock the opioids off the receptors buprenorphine is the, is the it, chemical it's the active suboxone. ingredient yeah, in, yeah. in suboxone right yeah. um so it will actually knock the opioid receptors off and bind themselves which is a partial agonist which can then put you into what's known as precipitated withdrawals mm -hmm. So when somebody comes to begin treatment with us, their first appointment is typically a consult with the physician who we will... A staff physician. A staff physician, yeah, right. Yeah. Or physician or nurse practitioner or okay. physician assistant, a medical provider. Mm -hmm. And they'll provide a urine specimen, which we test on the spot just to see what's in there. We don't disqualify anybody for what's in there. Obviously, we know you're coming for help. Right. But what we don't want to do is start the medicine while something is still actively in your system, especially fentanyl or methadone, the ones that are really predominant, yeah. predominant and can really cause some, some major precipitated withdrawals, which is like withdrawals, but times 10, if, if you want to have a simple explanation. Yep. You know, it's a uncontrolled vomiting and it's, it's really a nasty thing mm -hmm. so 
that's that's not to say you can't start the medication on the first visit if they meet with the provider and they administer what's a it's called a cows it's a withdrawal scale okay. so they they have to make sure that you are just enough in withdrawals to start the medication safely but not so much that you need to be terribly sick and to get it's a simple question but how is it how is it applied is it is it a, an injection is it Suboxone is uh, sublingual, so it's it's under the tongue. Under the tongue, yes. most so most of the time. A lot of people don't know that, and it yes. has to sit there. Right, that yeah. that's one of the very common things about our treatment is um, people get impatient when they're taking it, mm-hmm. or they just don't know the proper dosing technique. Mm-hmm. So it's ten to fifteen minutes beforehand, no eating, drinking, smoking, anything, and then you take the medication under your tongue, and it has to sit there. Usually, we, we tell people like the prayer position, have their head down a little bit because you don't want any of that spit to go down your throat. It all has to sit under the tongue. So counter gravity, make it sure it goes this way instead of that way. Correct. Okay. Um, there's two large veins under your tongue that absorb the medicine. Okay. So it it sits there for 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, if it's completely dissolved. Usually it's okay to swallow it then. If mm-hmm. it's not completely dissolved, make sure it is dissolved. And then just as important for 15 to minutes after, no eating, drinking, anything, just so any residual that's left in your mouth gets You're absorbed. This is a 45-minute process. It can be, okay. absolutely. Yeah. All right. But if it's, if it's not taken the right way, it's ineffective. So Right, yeah. and it's uh, something we see a lot. People come in who have been on the, the medication for sometime or have been taking it on their own and think they need more of the medication when really it's just improper dosing technique. Yeah, that's important. That's why I wanted to have you share that. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. Uh, um, so how often is this required and is it something right. you wean off over time? How does the, the... Everybody, everybody has a different... Okay treatment plan so we've we've had people come in who are successful in taking the medication for six months and then they want to wean off slowly and they do that successfully and that's it it's maybe a year process Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have some folks who that might not work as well for them I mean it, it there's really no timetable to recovery and our treatment in particular um people can come off the medication as slowly as they want. The good thing about it is it usually comes in a little film strip that you can cut into very small pieces. So you can go down as slowly as you want. You can come down a half a milligram a week okay. or a quarter of a milligram a week. But it's a self-administered, self-administered. Yes. Take it home. It is. And um, But directions are critical. Directions are critical. Yeah. Um, being honest and open with your provider is is just as important you know we don't judge anybody so if if you are trying to wean off the medication and it's not working and you need to go back up that's okay Mm -hmm. you know it's not a a failure of your character it's just everybody is different everyone's biology is different Mm -hmm. um some people who have started using at a really really young age it changes their brain chemistry some people might never get that back and that's that's just a reality. So some people might need to be on medication forever. 
not everybody, but... Yeah, and I guess the chemistry of everybody's body is different. It's why some people are allergic to certain things or right. like certain foods. I mean, there's so many variables there that you could use all kinds of analogies. But the point being, they can't expect a, a definite um, outcome over a certain structured time because it is the expectation is um, this may be different. So if right. you were going to set some reasonable expectation, this could take up to a year. Uh, prepare for that. Yes. Um, yeah. And what would they expect for how they how they feel and, and their cravings or what? How would that aspect work? That aspect, the the medication is proven over the years to be very effective in eliminating your withdrawals completely. Mm -hmm. It should cover your cravings. You shouldn't have if your dose is correct and your technique is correct. You shouldn't have any. It, there should be no withdrawal symptoms. Okay. Um, it covers cravings. It completely binds to all the receptors in your brain. It covers them. So there shouldn't be any of it. And the difference, again, we'll go back to methadone, which mm -hmm. is more of an inpatient and controlled and administered on the premise. This is different because it's more of an outpatient uh, administer treatment. Right. Yeah. So it, methadone doesn't need to be administered inpatient, but they typically will have people come in daily to dose at least for the beginning and they can work up to getting bottles of take-home medicine yep. usually it's up to six i think they've recently changed that but it depends on the okay. on the clinic yep. um, for our treatment you come in and initially we'll see you usually once a week and we see you once a week for about eight visits until we see that it, it's working, um, your urine drug tests are negative for anything that's not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. And then we can move to every two weeks. And then it's the same process for eight visits of that. Mm -hmm. And then as long as everything's still going well, you're, you know, you're showing signs of progressing in re your recovery, still not having anything that's supposed to be there, the yeah. frequency will get up to yeah. once a month. Okay. So you can come in once a month, meet with the, the provider, mm -hmm. meet with your counselor. Mm -hmm. if, if you have a counselor with us, if you have an outside counselor, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have a prescription that you take home and you come back once a month to see us. Here's a good question. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Yeah. Um, there's, there, I mean, there's some things that can go wrong. A, a month I mean, is a long time a in between. Common thing that is there a common thing that mistakes people make that cause things to go wrong? Um, I think the major mistake I I would say is the folks who think that just coming in and taking the medication is going to solve everything. The medication is a piece; it's an aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, the counseling is just as important. Having support systems outside of yeah. the medication are just as important. Making connections. I think that that's really the, the opposite of addiction is connection. This is not a, a quick, easy, take this and you're done. No. There's this one part that you said. Yeah. Right, right. Recovery is work. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. a lot of work and it's hard work, but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's worth it. Everyone who, like yourself, you say you never in a million years go back it's always worth it it's always worth it's it so easy to say it, it's <laughs> it's definitely easy to say yeah. and even 19 years in it's you know it's an active choice you have to make every day yes yeah. it's, it's it doesn't ever go away 
it will still be there. You just you, you have to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's obviously successful, and you guys are doing some great work. Again, if anybody wants to find out more, cleanslatecenters.com, and the number is 833-505-4673. And we're talking with James Bisco from Clean Slate. Um, anything, James, we, we didn't get to talk about that was on top of your mind? It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah. Put you on the spot there. but Yeah. You know. I think we, we covered a lot. We, we covered a lot of bases. Um, yeah. I feel like I may not have done enough justice to, to my organization. My organization, I feel like, you know, we're not better than anybody else. Our recovery path is one of many. Mm-hmm. I love where I work because I see the, the passion that our employees have. Um, we work through some of the hardest times ever going through the past three years during course, COVID. Right. And everybody came out the other side much stronger. And we're just happy to be here to serve the community. That's all. That's great. Well, you're doing great work. And again, I think, you know, everything I see and hear about Clean Slate is great. And you are making some great headways out in the, we'll call it the Midwest, the Indiana stretch of Absolutely. states there, right? Um, because I think you're really just growing with with 80 centers 80 centers nationwide yeah. um the the indiana stretch in, in particular they they don't have a lot of services out that way mm-hmm. so for us to be able to go out there and serve the population we have patients i've heard that travel four hours one way to get to our centers in some states wow because there's nothing in between wow so it's a, a an eight hour travel time for them yeah just to be able to access a 20 minute drive right we are so fortunate (laughs) and where we are that you know you can throw a rock and hit a recovery center which is good yes you know you're right yeah well that's great um great information thank you for for sharing all that Um, thank you um, and also thanks for for coming because you're uh as a a guest i'm going to give you a copy of my book voices from the fallen oh fantastic um hopefully is, is a very relatable has very relatable stories and please share you know with people that you think it'd be meaningful for. I will. Um, well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it very Thank much. you very much, yeah. Mike. And um, remember, cleanslatecenters.com. And thanks, James, for coming. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Oh, we'll see you real soon. Thanks. <laughs>